Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, church. Good to see every one of you, and welcome. If this is your first time to the vineyard, uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we are kind of closing out the series. Kind of. I know people, I've gotten, uh, received text and some emails and from people, it's like, man, do we really have to leave this? Like, we're really, we're kind of enjoying it. No, we're not going to leave it. We're just going to take this whole learning experience and we're going to press it into everybody always. Because, listen, there's no way you learn to reach out to people and love people without you having the help of the Holy Spirit. There's just no way. And matter of fact, the gifts, all of that is a way for us to love our community, to love the church uh, in a much deeper way. And, uh, and so uh, you know, it's like the first session next week, the first sermon in this series will be love people where you are, where you are, right? Right where you are. And uh, we're going to look at some examples out of the book of Acts of just how the Holy Spirit directed that early church to be in the right place at the right time and to love the people they were with. So we don't leave it. We're not leaving it. And we'll have lessons along the way that have to do with the Holy Spirit. But today we are going to kind of change, after today, change the focus a little bit. I'd encourage you to get in a small group, uh, get a study guide. This is mine. You can't have it. Can you tell? And, uh, and uh, get in, in a small group. Sign up for one outside in the lobby. Talk to Jay. And because that's where we're going to get the most out of this series. And we're going to have a lot of fun with this. So I, I want to kind of reinforce a few things this morning as we leave this series. And uh, maybe clarify a few things as well. And so would you pray with me? We ask the Lord to come and, and to bless his word and to help me. Father, thank you uh, for your presence uh, that you bring to us in your spirit. And we ask for you to breathe life on your word, the scripture that's read, that you would just empower it, Lord, to, to motivate us, Lord, to see what you want to do in us and through us via your presence in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask for your help. I ask that one of those gifts is teaching, and I ask that you give me the gift of teaching for the next few minutes, that you help me in my own weakness, and Lord, that you would come and let your people know what you want them to know. And uh, Lord, we invite you here. We know you're here. We sense your presence in the worship, and we invite you to come and make yourself known in any way you want. We love you, Jesus. And Father, thank you so much for loving us. You sent your only Son. And Jesus, thank you for talking to the Father and sending the Holy Spirit to come and live within us and be with us. And so we give this time to you, Lord. Now would you come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In your handout, flip it over. I say this every Sunday, and there's a fill-in there on the back side. You know, um, Karen, I, I pulled out some of my old archives over the last few days. Uh, my son was at the house, and I've got some old recordings and things like that. And I've got an old four-track recorder 
that I used to, you know, analog recorder that I used to record on and found some songs, some Beatles songs he had done multi-tracking with and he, when he was 16 and 15 years old. And so he was like, man, I didn't know you had these. And, and I'm like, yeah, here, you take the recorder and listen to it. But in that treasure trove of antiquities, into that deep end of our life, you know, was uh, was the journey, our journey basically from uh, just a few years of knowing Jesus and being a youth pastor early on and from the mid-70s, there were, I had some teachings in there when I was teaching a youth group there in the 70s and it went right on through our very uh, interesting, charismatic Pentecostal days. Uh, I think when I used to open the service, I would say praise God 36 times minimally before we actually ever started the service. And, um, you know, it was seemingly the inv invitation, I guess, to everyone. It was funny. I was just laughing and Karen would go, who is that? I said, that's me. That's, you know, that's, that's me. Uh, but, you know, it also was very beautiful to, um, to be able to, to watch how the Lord takes us through life and reveals himself in a deeper way, it seems like, as, as we walk with him. And I am always amazed at God's beautiful grace that many times, I, I don't know that he puts up with us, but boy, he sure does put up with some stuff that we do, and he still blesses it. You know, no matter whether sometimes, whether we've got our doctrine, our dogma exactly right or not, it seems like that if our passion for Christ is in the right place and and we're learning and we're moving in that direction. It, it seems like God says, you know what? I, I'm just going to bless you with my presence, Tim. And, and, you know, later on, you'll look back on this and go, man, was I screwed up or what? You know, I had, I had no idea I was off that much, you know. And, uh, and so I, I want everybody to know because we're all from like different, you know, uh, backgrounds and different experiences and traditions in church. Uh, that it's okay, that the, the journey you've been on, or we are still on, right? That we're on as guided and directed by God's great love in your life. And that the rich experiences that you have and you have had are a part of your life. And uh, it, I hope you can look back to and you can see the Lord's faithfulness in it. And, and also, you, maybe you can see God's great patience in it as well. And so, uh, so we find ourselves here at this point in our church uh, trying to learn more about who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in our lives. And, and so I've, I've enjoyed this as well. So I want to just kind of reinforce a few things and then I'll talk about, uh, to close everything out, I'll do a little maybe frequently asked questions thing because I have been uh, receiving some about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so your first, let me, let, me, uh, let me just say this. The first one here is this. The Bible states, the Bible states that Jesus is Lord, right? But the ghost makes that real to me. I'm calling it the ghost because we ripped off David Crowder's song, I Know a Ghost. So the Holy Spirit, right? But the ghost makes that real to me. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. The Bible states that Jesus is Lord, but the ghost makes that real to me. In other words, if you can say, I believe that Jesus is Lord, that is the manifestation and the function of the Holy Spirit in your life to enable you to say that and believe that. 
So if you're wondering, like, I just wonder if the Holy Spirit's even in my life. I don't even know if he's, you know, I don't know. If you can say, as we were singing a while ago, Jesus, Lord, Savior, Son of God, that is the ghost moving in you. Because, in other words, you wouldn't say that. You would not believe that outside of the grace and the mercy and the presence of God's own spirit in your life. And so, you know, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for time and again, not just the first time I said that, but time and again when I can say and I can sing, Jesus, you are Lord. You are Savior. You are the Son of God, the one and only. When I say that each time, it's, it's a function of the Holy Spirit in us. Co cooperating. It's the spirit that does that. Your second one is the Bible states that God is Father. But the ghost makes that real to me. The Holy Spirit makes that real to me. And we need his help in that area big time. Romans 8.15 The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Daddy, Father, Abba, Father. Now, there's so many of us that are wrecked in life because of examples of, of our fail, failed fathers or where they just were less than they should have been or maybe they were even worse than that in our lives. And we have such a struggle to see God as a good father. But it's the Holy Spirit that comes along in our hearts and enables us to experience a good, good Father. It's Him in us who moves us to in prayer at times to, hard as it is sometimes for us to get it out of our mouths to say Abba, which is Daddy, Father. It's the Holy Spirit that does that because some, in our brokenness, in our brokenness, that's just very difficult to say sometimes. Because our only context for a father is what we've experienced. Now, some of us have got great experiences and, and none of us were raised in a perfect home. I realize that. And then, but some of us, because that was such, had such a place in our lives that not just fathers, but authority figures down through time can imprint into us a certain expectation of rejection, of judgment, and... Uh, but the Holy Spirit comes along to live within our hearts to when we begin to drift that way and think God would never love me. God would never care for me. The Holy Spirit comes up and goes, say it, Daddy, Father, my Father. It's the Holy Spirit that does that in our lives. He is so important in our lives to have him operating and flowing in our prayer times when we read the Bible, when we study. Your third one is the Bible states that God is glorious, but the ghost makes that real to me. The Bible states that God is glorious, but the ghost, the Holy Spirit, makes that real to me. 2 Corinthians 3, 8 and also verses 17 through 18 Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And, uh, and we all who with unveiled faces, I'll explain this because you're going, what the heck is he saying here? And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Now, Paul is making this comparison between Moses. If you remember the Old Testament story, after Moses had seen God, his face was glowing with the glory of God. So much so that he put a veil over his face when he came down off the mountain. It was a veil. People couldn't look at him because of him being with God. And Paul comes along and says to the Corinthian church he says oh through the Holy Spirit in your life there's even a greater degree of that holiness that's in you. That God is transforming us through his glory in our lives through the Holy Spirit. So when we read these stories in the Old Testament and we go Gosh, man, it must have been awesome to experience that. You have a greater degree of that in your own life through the Holy Spirit. Because it's through the glory of God that it's changing you. He's working in you continuously. And it's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's the Holy Spirit that, you know, frees you up to worship, to see the glory of God. Uh, Jay said that a while ago. That sense inside of you when you were singing a moment ago of, of something, maybe you couldn't put your finger on it maybe you couldn't he wondered what, what's going on with me what's going on with my emotions why do I feel suddenly a little bit liberated when I'm singing this what is it about that song and singing about Jesus why is this why why is this happening to me you know it's it's the glory of God in the Holy Spirit that is bringing you to a place of realization. And I don't think we ever get it all, but but I think it's just glory upon glory, right? From glory to glory, as He begins to peel back the greatness and the awesomeness of Jesus to us, and we are suddenly changed in the presence, and we recognize His presence even more acutely, and so we begin to we begin to sense His presence. We begin to feel it deep inside, and. There's just something very different about that. And so it's the Holy Spirit that does that with ever increasing glory. You're not done yet. And that's what I love about this is no matter how long or how short a time you've been walking with God. There's ever increasing glory to come. There's more and there's more and there's more. And uh, I, I, I know I, I'm not like everybody but or probably anybody but uh but I'll say this after all these years honestly it's not that you don't have struggles and you don't deal with things or any of that but I'll have to tell you there is always another layer of God's goodness and glory always always just always being peeled back and it's the Holy Spirit that does that he's the one working in us and through us to reveal Christ to us and the glory that he is and so, you know, the Bible states that God is glorious, but the ghost makes that real to me. And the number four there, fill in, is the Bible states that God is love, but the ghost makes that real to me. And we all say it, right? God is love. God is love. God is love. If you've ever experienced that, if it, it becomes real to you, it's because of the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. Ephesians 3 uh, 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches. He may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being. So that. Here's why. Christ may dwell in your hearts. Through faith. And I pray that you being rooted. 
sunk down, right? Established, strong, in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowing. I love the way the writer says this. To know what surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to the measure of all the fullness of God. How's that for like, you can't even describe it in any greater way, can you? I mean, wide, long, deep, can't know what can't be known. I mean, filled up. That's like, that's the promise and the activity of the Holy Spirit. And that's his working in us. That's why there's always another level, another depth to God's love for us to experience and for us to live in. It's not over with just the initial, you know, uh, invitation to Christ. It's beginning the journey of learning the depth and the width and the length and the height of God's love in our lives. And it's the Holy Spirit that does that. Um, What's the best, what is the number one topic of every poem and every song ever? Love, right? Ever. I mean, wouldn't you like just to have one cent for every song or poem written with, about love? Why is it that humanity has that as the major topic in their life? Because we were meant for it. We were designed for it. We are made for it. We hunger for it. We look for it. We are made to give it. We are made to receive it. And God made us like that. And it got obscured and he got broken a long time ago. But in Christ and through the presence of his spirit, he is back to mend us, to work in us, to create in us a new heart so that we can experience love the way it was supposed to be experienced. And for us to be able to give love in a healthy way and to do it. So it's the Holy Spirit that does that. And I, and I want to say this, that small groups, I got to peg this again. To live this out and to experience this and to find a place where, you know, where you can actually have an exchange is in a smaller group. I mean, I love this. I love doing this and I love us gathering. And uh, I mean, I wish we were doing this 10 times on Sunday right now. I wish we had 10 of these going every, you know, we were just talking about the love of Jesus and telling our friends and bringing our neighbors. And we were just like, this is, you got to come here about the love of God. You know, you've got to come here about this guy, Jesus. You just got to come here about him. And, and, but where it really becomes, I guess, tangible and reality to us is when we can meet in a group, a smaller group, where we can have our questions and, you know, we can say, well, I struggle with this. I struggle with that and this and, and uh, hey, you know, how about, let's talk about it. What does this mean for me, for my neighbors? That's going to be the next series. You know, it's going to be everybody always. How in the world do you love everybody always? I mean, that's a challenge, right? Because sometimes we can't love anybody any of the time. So it's like, <laughs> how am I going to do this everybody always thing? And so that, that happens in a smaller group. So I'd encourage you again. Okay, so, hey, I want to. Your next part of the fill in there has SOP for GOS. So that just means standard operating procedure for the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? From, you know what SOP means? Standard operating procedure. Standard operating procedure. And the book that we've been in a lot, the First Corinthians, is kind of a manual for that. I mean, 
it's, it's a bit of a, of a training manual and, um, you know, a preventative maintenance manual, if you would, for standard operating procedures in the church. Because there was probably no church more kind of out of whack than the church that Paul wrote those letters to, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. They, uh, they were a church of excess in every way. In, in some ways that might be somewhat, uh, you know, admirable and some ways that are not admirable. They, they were just out of whack. Somewhere along the line, someone shared with the church in Corinth about the Holy Spirit. Someone came along, prayed for them, and someone, someone shared with them about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this church, which was probably rather small at this time when the letter was being written, more like a home group, probably, probably at the most 30 people, maybe 40, we don't know for sure, but it wasn't a group this size. And, uh, and so they're just getting up out of the ground and growing. The new church is, you know, first generation church. And so they're learning and isn't it neat that the terms that we have about the gifts of the Spirit were learned, I mean, they were attached to the behavior. Do you get this? We have the Bible, so we read like the gift of healing, or we read the gift of prophecy, or we uh, any of the gifts, but, and we see pastor, teacher, we see all these things, but here's the thing during this day, in the, the beginning, it was they were seeing the Holy Spirit doing it, Right? And then they were giving names to it. Now, how that would have been kind of interesting, wouldn't it? So Paul sees what God's doing. And then God leads Paul and the leaders of the church to bring it into some order so that it's profitable for the whole church and for the community. But I thought, this, that's, listen to those tapes <laughs> this past week, these, these old cassette tapes that I had. It, it sounded a little bit like... This sounds like the church in Corinth a little bit. You know, it's like we were like the wild frontier. Like if it's, if it's there, let's go for it and let's give ourselves 110% to it. You know, we don't understand what the Bible says, but we'll just go for it. And, uh, and so Paul comes in and he helps this church put some, I guess it, it's some order. And I, I hesitate to use that, but that's the word he uses. It, it's some order in so that it can be healthy. And, um, so I, will, I want to mention a few things here. And uh, the first one, this is a fill in too, is whatever gift is operating, whatever gift is operating must be done for the common good. For the common good. For the church's good. You get this? It's like 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, now to how many people get the gifts? To What? each one, the manifestation of the gift, that's its operating, right? Operating of the gift is given for the common good. Common good. And then uh, in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians in the third verse, it says for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. I think that's a beautiful description of how to, to look around when the gifts of the Spirit are operating and go, is it strengthening me? Is it strengthening the church? Is it encouraging the church? And does it bring comfort to the church? That's three of the criteria for trying to understand what's going on. I, I don't know why, I guess because it's the oddest of all the gifts, but tongues seems to be the preeminent source of attention when we come to the gifts of the Spirit. 
it is the source of much consternation on one side and much confusion and derision. And then it's also on the other side, it is also the source of much unrestrained glee <laughs> in a way. And, uh, and, and so when we start talking about tongues or if you see it in operation or you, whatever, you know, usually there is some reaction to it. And it's not one of those gifts that people kind of have a blasé attitude about. It's, they want to know more about it. And it's the, one, it's the gift that Paul doesn't minimize it because he said he spoke in tongues more than anybody did. And he said it was his wish that everybody spoke in tongues, which means that not everybody does. Or he wouldn't say that, right? But it also is like the, if you want to call it the minimal gift in the church, it is the, it's the most minimal of, of it, of all the gifts. But it's the one that gets the most attention. Now, um, I'm not going to, this is rhetorical. I'm not asking for a response. But if I, if I went through here today and I said, how many of you are very uncomfortable with tongues? I think I would probably get a good smattering of people to go, yeah, it's weird. I don't get it. Why, you know, why does that happen? Uh, you know, it's just odd. I don't, I don't know. So I just want to talk a little bit about it, okay? About the gift of tongues. Um, tongues without interpretation, without somebody explaining what is being said, Right? is, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it's for the person speaking, and it's, for, it's the only gift mentioned that builds that person up and not the church up. Right? For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. And so, this was a revelation probably close to 30 years ago now when the, another pastor and I were... We were working through uh, the standard operating procedure in the church that we were a part of then. And we realized that, hey, just flagrant speaking in tongues was out of order. It was out of order in the church because here we're like, they're speaking to God. And it says, indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean it's not of God. It just means that it's not for the what? Common good. It builds the person up. It strengthens them. It gives them great faith and depth. But, you know, and Paul valued tongues. He valued it. He wished everyone spoke in tongues. But without an explanation and an interpretation, it is not profitable to the church. Yeah, people go, hmm. First time we, uh, we ever experienced this, um, that goes back to that Lutheran charismatic church. First year, uh, junior year in college. And... Uh, we're sitting in this service and this young college student on, see, we were sitting like this. So I think she was to the left of us. She stands up and starts singing in this language. I mean, I'm 20 years old. Karen's 19. We've been married a long time. And, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, so they start singing this beautiful tune. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I'm like, man, you know, it's kind of neat. There are people from other countries in this church. It's... <laughs> Man, that's so awesome. You know, I don't know what country that is. That is a weird language. But I'm like, who knows? I mean, she's a little white blonde-haired girl. But I don't know where that language is coming from. But, uh, but she sang this song. And then a girl on the opposite side of the auditorium got up and sang the same tune. And what she sang was this amazing praise to God. But it was the same tune. 
And I, I remember looking at Karen, and the hair was standing up on And I looked at her because she was the pro-Christian. Uh, I was new to this. And I looked at Karen, and I said, what? What was that? You know, what, was, what, what just happened? You know, it built the church up because there was an interpretation. And, uh, you know, so let's, tongues, look, I speak in tongues. I, I pray in tongues. I pray underneath my breath all the time in tongues. It is an amazing gift of prayer and intercession that I run out of words. I don't know how to describe to God what I need. I don't know how to praise him with any more words. I've used every adjective superlative I can find. I can't come up with any more. And then it's all like, Holy Spirit, would you just help me? Help me worship him. And, and, it, and it's a beautiful, and I believe that, hey, if you desire it, we're told to desire the gifts, God will give you the gift of tongues. If you want it, I believe that. And it is a beautiful blessing to build us up, especially in prayer, especially in prayer. Second thing is tongues with an interpretation, though, can be for the common good. It can be. And um, here, you know, I do take the position, position that if tongues are spoken out, or sung out in the church, an interpretation should come forth. It should. And this is in 1 Corinthians 14, 13. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Do you get this? So the person who prays or sings out a tongue in the church needs to have prayed before they ever spoke that they interpret it. Now, it may come from someone else. But Paul says, before you speak out in public you need to pray God show me what what the Holy Spirit is saying what is it and that way the church can go amen amen and not what the heck you know <laughs> you know it's like we want to amen not a what the heck and and we want to be built up we want the church to go you know to go to God together and I mean he, Paul goes so far that in 1 Corinthians 14 28 he says if you don't you're to keep quiet Keep quiet. Now, there's a step of faith in that, right? Because now people who feel led to that might start getting a little wiggy wonky. You know, it's like, oh, that's kind of, you know, I have to have the interpretation. Well, he says you should pray. You should pray that you have it. It might be someone else, but you should pray. Matter of fact, you can pray when you're praying by yourself. And if you're praying in tongues, you can say, Lord, teach me. Let me hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. I want to hear the praises of God that the Holy Spirit is saying. I want to understand so I can even say amen to what God is saying and what the Holy Spirit is saying for me. And so uh, how can tongues and interpretation edify the church? This is the third one under this is that is tongues interpreted equals a praise to God. Now listen, church, here's the beauty of it. It is a praise to God, not to man. My experience in the past has been a lot of times that we have tongues, and this is not in this church, but in the past it was tongues, and then there would be what was a word of knowledge, word of prophecy, and thus saith the Lord. That is not what Paul is describing. Paul says that when tongues come forth and an interpretation comes forth, it is a praise to God. That way the church can go, Amen. Like if the Holy Spirit through tongues is interpreted to say how great and how awesome and wonderful and fantastic the Lord is. And there's some, a word spoken out like that. So the whole church is focused on Jesus. And in that moment, the church goes, that is beautiful. Because that's exactly what we were just praying and we were just singing about. Amen. Do you get this? Read it. It's in the book. Do you read the book? It's right there. Like I said, 1 Corinthians 
uh, you know, amen, we believe it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a tongue and we had a couple of interpretations. And, and uh, if you were here, and, and this isn't normal for our church. And uh, when I say normal, I mean every single week or anything. And so I'm waiting for interpretation. And we had a few, but I still didn't feel like, you know, I still didn't feel like man, we were quite there. Um, and so uh, yeah, I was pondering it after the church. The words were good and everything, but I felt like there was, there was something else because of this. It being a praise to God. Not a word to man, but a praise to God. And so a young lady came up to me after the service and she was weeping. And she says, I've never had this happen to me before. She says, ever. But when, when that guy was saying what he was saying, I suddenly heard the song. Amazing Grace, my chains are gone. She said, I immediately heard that being sung in my heart while he was speaking. You know, the praise of God of his amazing grace. And she says, should I have sang that out? And I said, you know what? We're learning at this thing. But yeah, you should have sang it out. <laughs> you know, if you just sang that out, you know, I would have, that would have been it for me. Because I was like, yes, you know, boom, bam, boom, thank you, Lord. Do you get this? Because then the whole church, the whole church goes, amen, I get it. The focus is on Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves to put the emphasis on Jesus. He loves to draw our attention to Jesus. He loves to say he's the Lord. He loves to do that. And so every gift, every moment that he can give to us realizing that and being used and seeing that realized in the church is good. So there you go. So that's the parameters that uh, myself, it doesn't mean that prophecy doesn't come, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, which I haven't taught on, but doesn't mean those things don't happen. But when it comes to tongues in the church, that way, this is what Paul specs out for us. And so that's the way we're going to approach it. B, I got to rush here. Whatever gift is operating, listen to this, whatever gift is operating will not be perfect. I don't know how many times people in the past have said, well, man, you know, why don't you just go do this? Well, it should be exactly perfect and all. Because we're human. That's why. Duh. The fact you're saying that shows you're human. So here, you know, sorry. But, uh, you know, we are like imperfect vessels in this thing. And God is teaching us. Remember? Glory to glory. I mean, God's glory. Listen, 1 Corinthians 13, 9 and 12. For we know in part, and we what? prophesy in part but when completeness comes what is in part disappears for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror it's like a smoked glass then we shall see face to face now I know in part then I shall know fully even as I am fully known you get this whatever we get from God that we sense in the gifts of the spirit and what's happening will be in part and that, you know, what keeps a lot of us from stepping out in these gifts is we think we have to be absolutely perfect. Perfect. And you don't. A lot of times it, it's an inclination. It's a, a sense of you want to go encourage this person. Or, or maybe you're feeling even a caution for someone. And you keep getting pulled like, I need to go tell this person to, you know, to be careful right now. There's something in their life. I don't get this. And it's the Lord pulling you over there. So you go over. And you encourage them. And you speak to them. And, uh, and you know. It, there might part of it be you. And there might part of it be God. But then you have to allow the Lord. To, to work on that with them. Let him. When people give me words. As we used to call them. Or call them words. Like I take them. 
I, I set them like a boiling pot on there, and I just like, okay, let me think about this, right? You know, that's good. I'll take that off the top. You know, this is good. I get it, Lord. I get it, Lord. A guy walked up to me in a meeting one time and says, the Lord told me you're going to move to Florence. And I said, no, the Lord did not say that. <laughs> Nothing. No problem, Florence. Love you. Flow town, flow town. Awesome. Okay. But uh, at that time, you know, at that time, but, but, what he was, but what I did take out of that was, hey, the guy was encouraging me. You know, that, hey, this is, God's doing something in my life and that's good and that's wonderful. And so I took it as an encouragement. He, you know, he knew in part, he prophesied in part. And so that's why, you know, that, you know, we, we practice this in a way. Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You don't learn if you don't try. You don't know if you don't go. You'll never learn and you'll never get it tuned in if you don't take a step. There's always an element of faith in this thing. God, remember, God's good. He loves you. He's revealing how much he cares about you. He's invited you into his story, what he's doing in the world. So we step into it and we learn from it and we learn. And so, you know, it's not perfect. And, and listen, one last word. You don't have to use the king's English when you give a word. All right, and you don't have to, I wrote this down, I don't even know if this is proper, but, you know, that you don't have to use first person deification in your, like you don't have to say the Lord is saying to you kind of thing. All you have to do is say, I, I think the Lord is, you know, I, I, does this make sense? Here's what I, does this make sense to you? I feel like the Lord, I feel like the Lord is impressing on me to let, to say this. Is, is, does that make sense to you? And then pray for him. I mean, that, that means all of us can do that, right? I mean, it, you just say, Thus saith God, <laughs> you in the back. God sees you. You know, that, I mean, that, that eliminates like all of us, except for one person, maybe, or somebody. You know, that, I mean, that it's, it, you know, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. You know, just be obedient to God and be naturally supernatural. Just be naturally supernatural. Be who you are. Be who you are and be motivated out of the love of God for the people that you feel you're going to. And just be obedient and then learn from it. Learn from it. Look, there's always an adventure. Your last one there is whenever a gift is operating, it must be done in an orderly way in the church. Whenever a gift is operating, it must be done in an orderly way. 1 Corinthians 14, and 40. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now some of us have taken that and run so far to the left. That there is nothing active anymore. It's all order. Right? And then some of us at times have run all the way over here. Where there is no order. And there is total just whatever goes goes. I love this because I think it puts us right in the center of the tension between the two. It's to operating in order, but it's to operate. Get it? It's to operate. And it's to operate in the protection of the church. There is a community protection when these gifts are operating in the church. Because now the church can judge it, hold it accountable. And remember, Paul was writing to a church. Not people out there on their own, going wherever they are, giving words to everybody all over creation. 
It was within the context of a local church where the local church knew the people in it and where they could help pastor it and judge it and make sure it was profitable. There was protection in that. And, and he goes on to say about prophecy you know, and tongues and interpretation, two or three at the most. Paul says that because he doesn't want the meetings to devolve into just that. It's like, okay, two or three, but we still want to worship. We still want to learn what the scripture says. We still want that. So he gives these standard operating procedures. And he also says in 1 Corinthians 14 that we're to weigh carefully what is said. You just don't swallow it. You know, you just like, is, does this make sense? Does this make sense to me? Is this something applicable to my life that this person is saying? And so we weigh it carefully. Does that make sense to you guys? Doesn't it make, I mean, that's the way I look at it, right? I mean, there's a left-right brain part to it. And I think God created both of them, the right and the left part. And so there's the excitement part, the experiential part, and then there's the evaluation part. They're leaning into God's word, leaning into the community to see whether it's good and it's wonderful for the church. So there you go. And we'll come back. We'll come back to this and uh, talk more about the gifts of the Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.